tuning in to Talking Sports with Evan. I'm Evan Wataus, and it's been a while. It's, I forget how long it's been, but it has been a while. But we are once again blessed with the uh, being joined by Kristen uh, Thomas. And I just want to say thank you so much for uh, for joining me tonight. Uh, you're, for people that want to know uh, how to check out your stuff, uh, your Twitter handle is growing at the bottom of the page, as is, you know, founder of, uh, you know, your what you do. So before we do further, just want to throw it to you to introduce uh, yourself for those that either new to the show or haven't watched in a while. First off, thank you for having me. It's always good to chop it up with you. I know we get a lot of good common sense uh, where we lock up and link up together. So it's it's always a great conversation. So thank you for having me. Uh, TossNationMedia.com, your home for the Toss brand of sports. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Facebook.com, backslash T on Sports Show. And, of course, you got the Twitter handle scrolling down there. You know, you see that at the 2 0 your name as well. <laughs> right there, right there. I can see that. Go ahead and give me a follow there. And then uh, for all the Toss Nation Media craziness yeah. if you will <laughs> yeah and like i mentioned it's been a while since you've been on. Yeah. i think it was shortly after and it still feels unreal to say that i think it was shortly after the milwaukee bucks won the 2021 uh, 2020 2021 is that right yeah the most recent yeah. nba championship um they're champions, my years yeah. Are all, you know yeah <laughs> they're the most recent nba champions and i think that's the last time i had you on and it still feels uh uh, I don't know if strange is the right word, but it still feels good to say it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's something <laughs> that I will never grow tired of saying. The 2021 <laughs> NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks, and they've got a good, yeah. of, as good of a shot as anybody to go ahead and repeat. Yeah, and I agree. We're going to get to that um, in a minute, but there's a few things I want to kind of get your thoughts on. Um, <laughs> so I would say over the weekend, Pat McAfee and props to him and his multi-million dollar, hundred million dollar deal from FanDuel. You know, yeah. that's that's the dream right here. You know, get somebody like FanDuel paying us, you know, whatever million, hundreds of millions of dollars to chop it up every day. Yeah. Um, but he re- he mentioned that today he was going to have a huge special, a huge guest on the show. Which it you know ended up either being Ian Rappaport or Aaron Rodgers, depending on which guest you want to say. Two guys that he has on quite frequently. But right. then Rodgers sends his tweet out and uh, a tweet Instagram post out, kind of you know, sign, sounding like someone who uh, you know might be hanging it up. I guess is the kind of the tone that I, I didn't think that's what he was saying, but that's the tone it kind of gave. And uh, I guess what do what are your your thoughts? Is it just a matter of us overreacting to every little thing Aaron Rodgers says or does, and we need to stop? Or do you think it's Rodgers playing us as puppets, or do you think it's Rodgers just wanting attention? Uh, it's a little bit people overreacting to everything he says, and it's a little bit of Rodgers kind of toying with <laughs> the media. Yeah, he's, he's a savvy guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to grab and garner attention if he really, really wants to. Uh, I did not jump to conclusions over his Instagram post because if you've been watching Brett, uh, Brett Favre, it's like the <laughs> Brett Favre situation almost. Yeah. If, you, if you've been watching Aaron Rodgers over the past few years, he's been speaking a lot about being grateful and being um, in the moment, um, getting more into the holistic lifestyle, more of the yoga, more of the, you know, being grounded and, and all that. 
And if you've seen his Instagram posts and his Instagram stories, he talks about a lot about, you know, I'm thankful for Bakhtiari. I'm thankful for Coach LaFleur. I'm thankful for this moment. And he puts a lot of those kind of Zen type of posts where he's showing his gratefulness uh, about about everything. So everybody jumped to conclusions over it, <laughs> much like they jumped to conclusions over his MVP speech, thinking, oh, that sounds like a guy who's hanging it up where he's thanking everybody. You guys – I'm not saying you, but people just got to pump the brakes. He's not going to go on Pat McAfee's show and make that announcement. Um, He might, but just to get past that boost. (laughs) But not today. Yeah, (laughs) but I think him, I think he would would do something a little bit more than McAfee's show. Um, I think a lot in the the vein of Tom Brady, who had his retirement leaked and – had everybody around him saying, oh, no, it's not true. It's not true because he wanted to have control over it. I think Aaron Rodgers is much the same way. He wanted to have control over that message. So maybe he might do it on McAfee, but I I just don't foresee it. But everybody needs to pump the brakes on the things that he says. He's he's a savvy guy. He knows how to get attention and manipulate. Yeah, and I will say there's one major guy to keep an eye on social media-wise that if Rodgers is going to make an announcement, the guy he's going to have it first is James Jones. Mm-hmm. So James Jones is going to have it first and then Pat McAfee and then it's going to go from there. So whatever. I think he's already made up his mind, to be honest. I think he knows what he wants. I think him, I think him and the Packers front office are negotiating how either a restructuring or a extension is going to look. And I think he's already made up his mind and the Packers are an organization that's very tight lipped um, traditionally, oh, yeah. which was kind of surprising when it came out a couple weekends ago that the Packers desperately want him back. Like, I'm, I don't know where that even came from because Packers are very tight-lipped. Rodgers has been very tight-lipped. So where did this mm-hmm. come from? Mm-hmm. But I, I think I think he's already made up his mind and I think they're working on something right now and probably be mentioned in the next, you know, I don't think it'll be mentioned tomorrow with Guten Kuz meeting with the media because he tends to always meet with the media prior to the Combine. But I right. think something will be coming soon. So I guess, what are your thoughts? Do you think he knows what he's going to do yet? And what do you think he's going to do? I think he's he's made up his mind, but he wants to put it on ice for now because he's waiting to see what happens with Devontae Adams' contract situation. Yeah. Well, they franchise tag him. They had the chance to do it starting today. Uh, they have until, uh, I believe, what, March, March 8th? Yeah. Um. To to franchise tag them, which is not something they typically use. Backers franchise really does not use the franchise tag. Corey Last time they used Williams, it was. Uh, I want to say Ryan Pickett. Oh. Uh, Two thousand ten. The Pickett yeah, fits. I thought there was one. It might have been the transition tag, but there's a D lineman they use and then trade it. But that might have been the transition tag. But either way, that's the last time they used the tag. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very rare they use yeah. it. But if they're going to use it, <laughs> this would be a time to use it just to kind of say, okay, we, we got you here. We want to get you here with this contract. We want to work something out. Um, that's probably the best way to go about it, just to franchise tag them. Now, maybe they're deep into contract negotiations. Um, I mean, at least the people that I've spoken to in, within circles, they haven't really, again, Packers are very tight-lipped. So there's really no firm information coming out about that. But I think his future is tied to Devontae's future. Devontae's future is tied to Aaron Rodgers' future. Unless the Packers decide to use a franchise tag, then he's got really no choice unless he's going to sit out, which would be another big mess. Um, 
But yeah, something tells me his mind is made up, but he's waiting to see what happens with certain contracts and certain players. Yeah, to me, his honor, his NFL honor speech he gave when he was accepting the MVP, I'm not going to say one way or the other what direction I think he's going in, but it sounded like a guy who was accepting of his decision. And, of course, he's not going to say, yes, I made a decision yet after he accepts the award because now it's going to be like, well, why can't you tell us? He wants to do it on his terms. He just sounded like someone that's already made up his mind. And I just don't see him leaving Green Bay, especially with the way the NFC is shaping up now. The Rams have a lot of interesting decisions to make. Um, Von Miller is a free agent. Um, Odell is a free agent and likely won't play in 2022. Um, You have a lot of money tied up that you now have to make a lot of room. Tom Brady's now retired and San Francisco is going to have a brand new quarterback who's going to be starting for the first time in the NFL so the NFC is wide open so I don't really understand why he would want to leave unless the relationship is that bad which I don't think it is anymore with the Packers no he they definitely reconciled a lot of what was wrong as far as the communication and power structure goes um what a mic drop that would have been had he retired <laughs> while accepting the MVP trophy yeah. at the NFL Honors. What a mic drop that would have been. Would have loved to see Matt LaFleur's face when <laughs> if he ever made that announcement at that point in time. Jaws would have been on the floor. Um, but the NFC is 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 going to shift. It is going to change. Uh, I think San Francisco will be in their end because Shanahan loves to run the football and they do it better than anybody. And they continue to add more minds that are able to help them run the football in that regard. And that defense is still somehow, some way, <laughs> good enough to to get them there. So I mean, it, it is a little bit more wide open. Some of the power players will still be there. I think the Packers will still be there. Um. But it really depends on if they'll have their MVP quarterback or not. That's really the big impetus on that. And I don't see any better situation for them. I know there's rumors about Pittsburgh, and we already know about the Denver rumor. That's been going on for the last two years. Uh, the San Francisco going to Santa Clara, you know, going to the team that he wanted to be drafted to and, and all that, which the Packers would never trade him within the same conference. That's just not going to happen. Um, a lot of rumors, a lot of different teams, a lot of – trade proposals being dreamt up by everybody, but his best chance to win a championship is in Green Bay. I think he realizes that. Uh, I think he comes back. I've always said I thought he will come back, and they'll run it back one more time. I I think they'll go all in, as the Rams did this past season, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, it'll be all in, but probably look a little different than last year because Devondre Campbell definitely earned himself a raise, and I don't think the Packers can afford – what he's likely going to be looking for. They try to get a deal done, it looks like, prior to the the midnight deadline for uh, the void years, uh, that cap in those void years. Um, and then Rasul Douglas, he's he definitely earned a raise. So I think it's going to be different. But, yeah, I think they're going to try to bring it all in again to try to make one, uh, you know, another, another push. And question I have for you is, because they draft Jordan Love two years ago. He's mm-hmm. going into year three. And now they're 
desperately looking to bring Rodgers back. So I look at it as not a case of an indictment on Jordan Love because we don't know what he's going to be. He's only started one game and played a half of another at the regular season. Um, so I don't think it's an indictment on what he's going to be. I think it's more of an indictment that Aaron Rodgers was able to become a M- MVP now two years in a row, and they see that he does have a lot of football left. I think when they drafted Jordan Love, the writing was on the wall that Rodgers was probably on the you know t- the down spiral of his career based off what the numbers looked like, and now all, and you don't see it somebody his age all of a sudden find it again very often and now all of a sudden he does and now they obviously want him back so I guess kind of what are your thoughts do you think it's an indictment of Jordan Love that boy they screw that up or it's just a matter of Aaron Rodgers still being that guy it's just a case of Aaron Rodgers still being that guy you know it's you know it's funny because we, we speak about his his down years, which I'd never really called them down years, but I mean, the numbers were quite Aaron Rodgers like numbers to what we're used to seeing from him. But his down years are some guys' career years. You know, like, there's some guys' Pro Bowl years. You know, the best years of their career were his down numbers. That just gives you an idea of the excellence that he brings to the field. It took three years before Aaron Rodgers became the starter. And it, it took a whole controversial retirement, unretirement trade of Brett Favre to make all that happen. You know, you're either with me or against me, whatever, whatever. It's not an indictment on Jordan Love. If anything, Jordan, the Jordan Love pick has panned out for the Packers in the fact that they got two MVP years out of Aaron Rodgers and could possibly get another one sans voter fatigue next season, depending on what they do. So it's it's panned out. It's not an indictment on him. We don't truly know what he can do. Uh, we've seen so very little of him, much the same way we saw so little of Aaron Rodgers. They picked him for a reason. You got to trust it. Um, if he goes out there and stinks up the joint in his first year as a starter, okay, then you know. <laughs> but right now, you're going to year three. It took three years before Aaron Rodgers even touched the field on a consistent basis. We got to give Jordan Love some time. Yeah, definitely have to. And – you know, I, I'm. You know, I thought we'd be on the same page there, but maybe Jordan Love never does develop. Who knows? But I, I don't think it's fair to criticize Love for the fact that now all of a sudden Jordan Love. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is back to an MVP caliber um, quarterback. So, but they did hire Tom Clements, yeah, who was instrumental in the development of Aaron Rodgers. So you get that type of a mind into your fold, that could do nothing but good things for Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah. It, it, you're right. Maybe he never develops, but we truly don't know what Jordan Love is. And until we truly do, we can't sit here and say it's a bad pick. He's given you two years of MVP play by yeah. his presence being there out of Aaron Rodgers. So it's it's already panned out in, the, in a strange way. Yeah, and I think the Tom Clements, Clements bringing him back, I don't think the Packers do unless – they're almost certain that Rodgers is going to stick around for a, a couple, another year or so just for the fact that Rodgers and him are close. And he's not coming out of retirement at 68 years old. And this isn't a shot at Jordan Love. He's not coming out of retirement at 68 years old because he wants to work with Jordan Love. He's coming out of retirement at 68 years old because he thinks he's going to work with Aaron Rodgers again. Right. So I don't think the Packers hire him, and I don't think he comes out of retirement unless – that's the plan all along. And, you know, so just it adds up to, to me to, to Rogers returning and 
loves it for another year, gets to learn for another year. Clements could work on his mechanics, his footwork, mm-hmm. his reading of the field, and maybe he'll um, – he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers to be successful. He no. just has to be – you know, you look at the, around the league, there's a lot of quarterbacks around the league that do a pretty damn good job, but they're not Aaron Rodgers. Right, right. And that's the worst thing you could possibly do is try to go out there and be – yeah. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a that's a once in a lifetime talent. Probably the greatest throw of the football we've ever seen. You don't have to go out there and be that. Be Jordan Love. Do the things that you do extremely well. Keep adding to your bag, but go out there and be Jordan Love if that is the case eventually going forward for the Packers. Yeah, and do you want to move on? Um, you know, I definitely think you know we haven't seen what Love is. I think that's definite. I want to switch sports here to college basketball. Badgers in the <laughs> Badgers in the news for reasons are typically not in the news for. Uh, they they the uh, blow up Michigan after a dominating second half from uh, from uh, Johnny Davis, which has been quite the surprise of college basketball this year. Which I want to get your thought on him in a moment. Um, but after, well, I guess. For those that may have been not paying attention, so Michigan still full for, uh, full court pressing or five press, as Howard said, with under thirty seconds to go. Guard calls timeout to give his you know guys that never play except in a blowout a chance to re you know get get their head back and beat the press and get ten seconds back on the clock like he did when he got the timeout, and then Jawan Howard for some reason, takes offense to it, thinking, you know, guards being a, uh, doing a Bush League move. And next thing you know, we have the altercation where he tries to blow by guard um, with, I don't even know what he said when he walked past him. I remember that or maybe some other choice words there. Next thing you know, big scuffle and Badger assistant coach gets smacked in the head by Joan Howard, who re-entered the melee after leaving to take a swing crazy situation and kind of want to get your thoughts on Joan Howard and that whole fiasco on the punishment that came out so, about it. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Joan Howard, I don't care what he tries to paint it as you're full core pressing. You're down 15 with 30 seconds remaining and you're full core pressing backups. Guys who don't get the most play time. And he had two starters in still, I believe. He still had starters in. He still had the starters in. So you're down 15 with 30 seconds remaining. You're still full court pressing as if you're going to come back in 30 seconds. Look, I've seen Tracy McGrady score 13 in 33 seconds. Okay, but this ain't that. You ain't got nobody on that squad that could do that. You try to blow by guard because you're salty because you're having a terrible season. You fell off really hard (laughs) compared to where you were last season, which happens. It happens. You lose talent. You're going to fall off hard. You build your program back up. Okay. There's no reason to take that on a different team. You try to blow by them because he called a timeout. So they could reset the 10 seconds, um, you know, get those guys some experience. Guard did exactly what any other coach should have done in that situation. Call a timeout. That's what you do. You don't stop coach. What? So you can continue to coach and put on the full court press. But Greg Gard can't continue to coach and call a timeout and reset the clock and get his guys in position. Like, come on. Um, to go by and, and pretty much put your finger in Greg Gard's face and tell him that I'll remember that, 
you remember a timeout as if Greg Gard won't remember you full court pressing his backups. Like, come on, Juwan. Like, stop it. Stop it. Um, there were some choice words of some expletives exchanged. Somebody had some cleaner audio that I listened to. Um, there was some expl- expletive, um, you know, exchange. There was some some grabbing and some pulling. And, you know, Joe Grabenhoff, the assistant, uh, came in and he had some words. Juwan didn't like it. Came back. Whacked him upside the head. Um, and then you got players throwing punches on both the Michigan side and Wisconsin side, and it's just an absolute mess, and it was really completely uncalled for. If Jawan Howard realizes that maybe it's not a good idea to full-court press down 15 with 30 seconds remaining with your starters going up against backups, maybe this wouldn't have happened. You know, if, if you weren't so salty about the season that you and your team are having, which is pretty terrible, you're, you'll be lucky to make it to the tournament at this point. I think they're NIT-bound. That's what the crowd started chanting, at least. Um, don't take out your anger on the other team after the game's already been decided. Don't be salty because the coach was coaching at the same way you were coaching. You were being petty. Full court pressing backups. Greg Gard was being a coach by calling a timeout and getting his reset so his guys could get out there and do what they're, they're supposed to do, execute. So it, it was really blown out of proportion by Michigan and Juwan Howard and I'm surprised he only got five games. I thought he was going to be done for the rest of the season, meaning any postseason tournament they may get into, whether it be NIT or CBI or whatever. Um, it was really just 100% on call for all the way around. Uh, everybody could have been better in that situation. I don't want to both sides it, um, but you know there was words exchanged from Wisconsin as well. But all that stops if you just don't full court press and let the time run out when you're down 15 with 30 seconds remaining. Or it all stops. Even if you do full court press and you call, you know, you don't even get bothered by the timeout and you let the time, you know, it's, you know, Howard definitely deserved the suspension. Yeah. Five games. Probably could, he probably could have got more now that he's a repeat offender now. When it comes to these altercations, the, uh, I know he got thrown out in the Big Ten tournament last year when he was threatening to kill uh, Maryland ba- head basketball coach at the time. I don't know if he's still there or not, um, but he's trying to threaten to kill him. He's trying to get after him, and now he whacks a Badger coach, assistant coach in the head. He kind of got lucky he only got five games. And yeah. so I, I see people commenting – some of them on, you know, the ESPN shows, um, some of them on sports talk radio that maybe Greg Gard, Gard should have got a game as well. And I look at it, what is Greg Gard getting a game for? You know, he got fined, which I think was warrant, you know, I think that's punishment enough. Um, Howard got suspended not because he grabbed Gard by the shirt and waved his finger in his face. He got suspended because he struck the assistant coach on the other team. That's why he got suspended. I guess for those that say Greg Gard should have got a game or two as well, and it's not fair, I kind of want to get your thoughts there. Gard did grab Juwan Howard when Juwan Howard was just going to walk right by him. So in, in that regard, I can see that. Um, but it really, it just would have been ticky-tack. Because, I mean, yeah, he grabbed him. Maybe you, you probably shouldn't be grabbing on people like that. Um, but Juwan Howard literally slapped Joel Krabinoff. I mean, yeah. what, 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 what are we doing here? 
Like, there's a difference between grabbing someone's arm to, you know, try to get a handshake or whatever and smacking somebody upside the head. Like, let's not be petty. Guard got $10,000, which Chris McIntosh, the AD for Wisconsin, already said he looks at it as a Wisconsin fine, not a Greg Guard fine. Nice, great PR move, but we know what it is. It's a Greg Guard fine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. He got fined 10 G's. Um, you know, the athletic department is going to pay for it either way. But I, I, I can, I can see why they would say that. But come on, like that's no, no. Yeah, I and I agree. There's no reason for. Like I said, Gardner gets suspended for grabbing the arm of Howard as he's trying to walk past him. And should he have done that? Probably not. Is it something he's done numerous times? And him and the coach end up having a, a conversation and everything's fine. Yeah, he's done that numerous times, and him and Jawan Howard have even been, like, dabbing up, handshake, grabbing each other, like, whatever. So he probably thought he was in a place in his relationship with Howard that he could have a civil conversation with him right there. He's done it numerous times. He probably misread the situation, and obviously a lot of that could have been avoided, but Howard <laughs> can't be striking people in, in the face or in the head. And I was actually surprised that only – I only saw two Michigan players and one Wisconsin player, the three that got suspended, actually throwing punches. And that actually surprised me a little bit because normally that you know kids are going to – and I know they're legally adults, but they're still college kids. Kids are normally going to react before they think about stuff. Right. Right. So. I mean, and they, they took their lead from the coach. So <laughs> there, there you go. I mean, yeah. the coach is throwing punches. All right, it's time to go. Like, no, <laughs> your, your coach is in the wrong. Don't follow. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, virtually only two of their players were throwing punches. And now we got to put this behind us and kind of hope that Wisconsin and Michigan meet again in the Big Ten tournament because that'll be must-watch TV. Definitely. You know, we'll see if he actually remembers that timeout or not. Thankfully, Johnny Davis was not involved in the melee. He was actually trying to pull, you know, pull his guys out of there. Good leadership there from the sophomore. Your thoughts on him? Is he a guy that can kind of have a, and I'm not trying to say he's Dwayne Wade, but kind of have that Dwayne Wade type tournament where he kind of carries his team on his back to the, you know, final four. Um, what do you see as Johnny Davis, the player? You know, Johnny Davis, the player, is phenomenal. I, he's my pick for National Player of the Year. I don't think there's been anybody better. I don't think there's been anybody who's been more important to their team, to their team's success, and uh, has has brought them out of doldrums to come back and win ball games. Uh, it, can he have that type of magical Dwayne Wade run? That's a hell of a run. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it really depends on how well Wisconsin is able to defend and are, are their shooters going to shoot? Is Brad Davidson going to go cold as we've seen him in tournaments past? You know, you can't afford that. Um, can he have a big tournament? Absolutely. Can it be on the level of Dwayne Wade? I, I don't know, man. That was magical. That was, that was some surefire top five NBA pick type, which I'm not saying Johnny Davis isn't. I think he he will go on to have a pretty successful NBA career. It's more than likely going to be a lottery pick. But Dwayne Wade was special, man. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest shooting yeah. guards in NBA history. I mean, <laughs> you know, that, was, that was a special, special player. So I would love to see that type of a run. No doubt I would love to see that type of a run. But I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if he can get to that level of a run. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if he necessarily has to if guys like Davison are shooting hot and, you know, their bigs are controlling the post. But I haven't seen a player, as I, I should say a guard, as good as Johnny Davis come around the Wisconsin program probably since the guy whose jersey they just hung in the rafters on Sunday and Michael Finley. Yeah, Yeah. Devin Harris was good, but he wasn't to me that good. So Yeah, Harris was a yeah, Harris was was good, but this was this is something different. This is definitely something it has a different feel to it. Yeah, definitely. And quick thoughts before we jump to the NBA, Marquette, Shaka Smart first year. Um seems like they struggle against teams they shouldn't struggle against. And they've won some games they probably shouldn't have. But what do you see Marquette right now? Anything different than what we saw under Wojo and the late season collapses that we saw? Or do you think this is a team that could, is probably going to finish strong? I think this is a team that will finish strong. I think Shaka Smart, in his mind, what he emphasizes, uh, it's it's a complete 180 from what Woj, you know, Wojo um, really put emphasis on. Uh, you talk about the deflections, the defensive end, uh, you know, turning defense into offense. Uh, you know, it, that that's what Shaka Smart is all about. He's all about that havoc, you know, that if people don't know about that. You go back to his VCU days, he's talking about the havoc. It's all about the deflections, the, the defense, getting out on the fast break. And they've been doing that. Uh, it's it's really the growing pains of a young squad and, and the growing pains of, you know, being in the first year as a head coach and implementing your, your program and putting your imprint on it. Um, I don't foresee a, a – a Woj like <laughs> collapse coming. They definitely have, like you said, struggled against the teams that they definitely should not struggle against playing down to their competition and they play up to their competition, which can make for troubling times, but I think they'll finish strong. I think they're definitely already in the field. I think there's no doubt they're definitely in the tournament field, um, but how far they go will depend on how consistent they become. Yeah. And I saw one possible matchup that brought some, uh, Nightmares, I'm sure, back to Marquette fans is uh, Murray State paired with them in that first round. And I commented on the person who shared that is Wisconsin going to get paired with Oregon, too? Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. The same year. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always those two that just the PTSD shivers, just oh my gosh, no, the bad memories of those. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive we're going to see Wisconsin playing in Milwaukee. In the tournament, do they put Marquette in Milwaukee too? You think? I don't think Marquette ends up in Milwaukee. I, I don't think they have done enough to curry favor from the committee to kind of be in a home bracket. I I wouldn't be surprised if they got sent out west. Um, if they're really nice, they might get sent east. Um, but I don't think they'll end up in Milwaukee at all. Yeah, it definitely would be nice seeing tournament action in Milwaukee and especially at Pfizer, which perfect segue speaking of Pfizer. Uh, I guess before we do get to the Bucks, the NBA, they have their also NBA 75 team, which Giannis is included in, in that. Uh, any any complaints on the, the 75 team or... Do you have guys you think should have been included who weren't, or do you think guys who should have been ranked higher or lower that were higher, you know, higher than they should have been or lower than they should have been at all? Dwight Howard should have been a part of that team. I think Dwight Howard is, is a basketball hall of famer. You look at his resume, you look at what he's done. uh, 
everybody remembers the the injuries that he he had with the back and all that. And towards the end of his career, he was he had a few unproductive years. But then once he got healthy, he got back to kind of maybe not Orlando levels, Dwight Howard, but really good Dwight Howard, really good big Dwight Howard. He's a basketball Hall of Famer to me. I think he should have definitely been on that list. But for the most part, I mean, you know, obviously we can sit here and, and nitpick Giannis's ranking on that list, but. Um, the fact that he's there and he's only 27 is amazing. Um, Dame Lillard being on a list was kind of head scratching. I mean, I know he's been one of the most clutch players in his time in NBA, but that was kind of head scratching. Um, for the most part, I think they got the list correct. We can always nitpick on these lists, you know, things this person should have been higher. This should have been lower. This guy shouldn't have been in it. This guy should have been in it. Um, but I, I, I think they got it right. And the ceremony that they had at the halftime of the All-Star game was just amazing. Uh, just to have that collection of greats on the court at that one time. You know, I remember watching the 50th anniversary team and just being blown away by that. And now, all these years later, <laughs> 25 years later, watching this one, mm-hmm. to have that collection of talent there all on the court. Minus a few people, you know, Bill Russell could make it because of, you know, he was the COVID scare and Larry Bird wasn't there. He's doing that weird wave on the screen and, you know, <laughs> Tim Duncan doing the same thing and all that. Um, but to have that collection of talent on that court, the the stories they could share, the the knowledge that the younger players on that list could gain from them. Uh, it, it's just, it's really mind blowing. It's really incredible to me. And it was just really well done all the way around by the NBA. Yeah, and I definitely agree, and I definitely enjoy watching uh, Jordan and Giannis hug. Um, yes. One, one thing that I kind of had to scratch my head at, though, you have LeBron, Giannis, and others who are physically playing in the All-Star game, Chris Chris Paul, which was kind of strange Chris Paul is even playing with his hand, but anyway. Yeah. You have them physically playing in the All-Star game, and then you have them change back into, like, two. <laughs> <laughs> to come out onto the floor for the 75 honors thing to go back in the locker room and change back into their uh, their basketball gear. That was just kind of strange to me. In all fairness, they put on a black – it was a black warm-up shirt, and then they put the blazer over it, and then Giannis still had on his warm-up pants. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice the other – I didn't notice that, but it was kind of weird. They're all but, wearing, you know, like, blazers and that. It's like – yeah, you're like, you're all sweaty, and it's like, you know, you're trying to be all fresh and buttoned up. And yeah, that was a little bit weird. But it, it also probably, probably cool at the same time that we're we're both playing in the All-Star game and being honored yeah. at halftime of the All-Star game. It, it, I, I don't think they mind it. No. I was just confused that Chris Paul is even – I know he only played like two minutes, but I was confused yeah. that Chris Paul is even playing. He's got a fractured hand. His, yeah. his coach is his coach in the All-Star <laughs> game. Yeah, and I, I I'm just confused there. Like I was you know, totally confused. I don't know. It, it it really makes me think too. It's like, okay, on one hand, maybe it's like, all right, maybe there's some kids there who came out and wanted to see me in the All Star game and play. I'm gonna go out there and try to play a little bit, even though you literally have a ring of ulcer fracture. You know, you're gonna be out for like two months <laughs> from your yeah. own team. I don't think it's a good idea. Your coach is there. He's coaching you. He's he's allowing you to play. I guess they figure it could get any worse. But but on the other hand, it's like maybe he did that so he wouldn't have to give up that spot to another player in a pure hater move. I don't know. I'm not I'm not putting that on him. I'm not I'm not putting that you know on him. But I'm just saying 
that's the way my mind works. Why would you doing this? Yeah, it was just kind of weird. I'm like, I'm sure the general manager and the owner of the Suns probably had a conversation with with Monty following the game. Like, yeah. Or even during the game, they're probably like halftime calling. I'm like, can you not play him anymore, please? He's injured. Bench him. <laughs> it's like at this point, it's like, dude, it's already broken. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but move on to the Bucks. So one, one of my friends messages me, and him and I kind of differ on some sports takes. And he, he's commenting that the um, – I'm just trying to find the exact teams he gave. I know he gave the Bulls, the Celtics, and the 76ers. Um, they're the, the class of the East in that order, and the Bucks are sitting there at fourth as the class of the East. And it was shortly after the 76ers game, and I kind of came back at him. Oh, my with, I think it's just an overreaction to the game you just watched. It wasn't even a bad loss in reality. They played the equivalent of one bad quarter between yeah. like eight minutes in the second and three minutes left in the fourth. They played the equivalent of one bad quarter. So I kind of mentioned to him that it was more or less, I think, him overreacting to the game that just happened the day before. Are they as good right now as they were last year? I think record-wise they're pretty similar, but I think there's some concern that I've seen that they got to get fixed, and I'm sure they will. But they've also a team that's had a lot of injuries with COVID and injuries and everything. Where do you see this Bucks team right now at the – I can't really say halfway mark because we're past it, but at the all-star mark, where do you see this Bucks team? And do you think it's just him kind of overreacting to the loss to the 76ers? No, I wholeheartedly agree with you 100%. Not only is he overreacting to the Sixers' loss, he's overreacting to how hot the, the the Celtics have gotten as of late. You know, the Celtics are on a hot streak. You know, that could easily come to an end. You know, we're at the 75% mark is what I like to call it uh, through the season. And, you know, teams are, you know, they're going to get hot, you know, and then they're going to cool, you know, because maybe, maybe the Celtics are at their peak right now and now they're going to start going down. We don't know. So there's a lot of overreactions going. I, I was not happy with the Bucks blowing a double-digit lead uh, that they had built, but it happened. You know, you got to give credit to the Sixers. They're a good team. Joel Embiid may very well be the MVP this year in the way that he continues to play. Um, a lot of overreactions to be had. I don't get too high on it. I don't get too low. It's a regular season. Yeah. This is a team that gets judged purely and solely on what they do in the postseason. Remember last year when everybody was making a big stink of bucks and what Mike Moonholzer was doing? Yeah. And you and I were, I think, I, you and I and maybe a handful of other people in Bucks Twitter, the, the, and which is could be a cesspool at times, saying, like, look, he's trying new things to overcome the deficiencies that they've had in playoffs past. He has to do these things in order to prepare them for the wars that they're going to go into so they can overcome. And guess what? They won the championship because of what they did in the regular season. Yeah. Everybody's worried about, oh, man, they, they're not winning as much. And it, who cares? Qualify for the playoffs. Get better. Learn what you need to learn. Apply that knowledge in the playoffs and go get yourself a championship. That's what matters. That's what they did. This year, as you mentioned, covid a lot of different injuries. We've had a trade. We've got new pieces coming in from the buyout market. They just signed another guy from the buyout market. Not Goran Dragic, but 
Oh, well, who cares? He wants to go to Brooklyn. Let him go to Brooklyn. They're really trying to acclimate all these pieces. They did get him because Drogic went to uh, Brooklyn. Let's you know, be honest. Who they got right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. you know, which makes their second Brooklyn net that they signed, you know, in, the, in, in, in that uh, in, the, in that market. But it, it, they're trying to put all these pieces together. You know, Pat's injury was very, very unfortunate. You, you don't like to see it, especially after you just got through trading DiVincenzo. Uh, that really hurts your depth. And it's going to make you take hits at areas and make you deficient in certain areas that you otherwise would not be. So, you just have to deal with the lumps. Bucks have to continue to get better, find ways to win, and folks have to stop overreacting to things. They're in position to make the playoffs. They will make the playoffs. They're not going to slide all the way down into that play-in spot. They're, Giannis won't allow that to happen. You know, he plays one speed and one speed only. We saw that in the Arsenal game. So pump the brakes. Be cool. Stop overreacting to everything. Yeah. Judge them by what they do in the postseason because that's the air that they're sitting in. They're world champions. Let them act like it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm the same way. And you, you've had, you haven't had Brooke Lopez except for one game. Uh, he hasn't played since, and that's a huge loss. Um, he's one of your key defenders. He allows Giannis to be that help backside help defender where he is yes. extremely dominant. That allows Bobby Portis to come off the bench where he's not typically probably guarding a Joel Embiid. Um, right. Because he's coming, he's usually probably coming in when Embiid's taking his breather. Um, so you're forcing Portis to be your starting five. You're forcing Giannis to play the five a lot more without Lopez. You know, Boogie did his thing briefly when he was with Milwaukee, but let's face it, on the defensive end, he wasn't what the Bucks need. They, when, they, when they had Boogie, yes, they needed the point score that Boogie gave them with the right. issues that the Bucks were having injury-wise, but he's not. they don't need him to score. They need him to give them minutes off the bench as a, uh, a, a, a defender, guy that can grab some rebounds. He's, he's not the defender. He's not a, he, a great defender. Now you get Greg Monroe, who surprisingly still had a little bit, you know, still in his tank. Oh, yeah. And now you got Serge Ubaka, who's now going to be getting those bench minutes or those center minutes off the bench, which I thought was a great move because you're getting – he, obviously he's not P.J. Tucker, but he's a guy that can bring you that toughness that Tucker gave them around this time last year, in, in my, my opinion. He brings to the table what you're missing from Brooke Lopez. Yeah. He gives you that three-point shooting. He's shooting at about 38 39% from three. He's also a shot blocker. Mm-hmm. He gives you that rim protection. He yeah. is exactly what you're missing from Brooke Lopez. So if he could be that anchor and let Giannis be that free-roaming defender, this is when the Bucks' defense is at their most dominant. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully they can get Lopez back for at least a handful of games going into the playoffs so he gets some of that rust off and gets into game shape. But I've been saying constantly that when all the dust settles, because you got – Pretty much, you got Miami, Chicago, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Milwaukee pretty much in a log log jam for the top uh, couple spots in the East. Yeah. The Heat and the Bulls are tied, and then the 76ers, Cavaliers, and Bucks are all two and a half games back, and the Cavaliers and 76ers are just percentage points better than the Bucks. 
So yeah. I think with all the dust settles, the the Bucks are going to be a top two team in the East come playoff time. I don't see how that changes. I think, you know, the Heat could probably continue to stay around that one-two spot. You know, the 76ers and then Milwaukee, it's going to come down to, I think, those three teams when you're talking about the top two seeds in the East. I think, you know, Bulls are playing above what most people probably thought they were going to be. Cleveland mm-hmm. definitely is. But oh, yeah. come March – Come uh, end of March, April, when uh, you're getting into that playoff grind, that's something that they haven't really experienced much in a long time. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. It's, you know, are, are those young guns in Cleveland going to be able to accept that grind? You know, are they going to be able to overcome that that sort of wall? You know, you've been playing at a high level all year, and you need to continue to do so. It just think about it. Like one of those teams could easily slide down. I'm not saying they're going to, but they could slide down to that playoff range, that play-in range, which is, you know, that's just how much of a fist fight the Eastern Conference is. We're used to seeing this out of the Western Conference. We're not used to seeing this out of the Eastern no. Conference. It is going to be an absolute fist fight through the rest of the regular season and in the playoffs. Could you imagine if Brooklyn's an eight? <laughs> whoever is the one seed at that point, you are in danger of getting knocked out. That is how you're, much of a fistfight yeah. it's going to be. You're hoping Brooklyn gets knocked out of the playoff tournament if they're the eight <laughs> seed. <laughs> play- Hopefully the play-in game's on the road. That way, yeah. or at home, that way they will have Kyrie if you're one yeah. of those teams that's looking at that. Or if Brooklyn's the seventh seed, if you want to be that two seed, whoever that is, I have to beat Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn in the first round. In really? the first round in a seven-game <laughs> yeah. series. It's, it is going to be brutal in an Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I'm looking in the Eastern Conference. I have it in front of me in case people are wondering what I'm looking down at. You have eight teams at uh, above 500, and then you have the Hornets and the Hawks and – the uh, Wizards, which, you know, the Wizards probably going to be well below 500, but you got three other teams that are close to being above 500. I remember when the seventh, the sixth, seventh, and eighth seed in the Eastern Conference were all below 500. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, it's kind of like the, uh, the Western Conference used to be a few years back. Yeah, it's just going to be a fist fight, man. It, it, not, yeah. It's very impressive to see the Eastern Conference. Like, who expected Cleveland to be where they are right now? Uh, you know, yeah, that's a surprise. The Bulls to be I, – I expected the Bulls to kind of – and I made a joke about it. I wasn't serious, but I had some Chicago fans get on me about it. My brother-in-law is a Chicago Bulls fan. He's also a Bucks fan, but he's from Chicago. Yeah. So he, I'm like, yeah, they did all that. They got DeRozan and all the, all this other stuff, ball, all that, just to fight for a play-in spot. And, and there, there they are towards the top of the conference, you know. So it's – you know, it, you take pride in seeing that. I, I love seeing young teams kind of build and flourish a little bit. Not too much to where they're better than the Bucks, but you know yeah. it's good to see. But that's just how much, how many surprising teams there are this season in the Eastern Conference. You love to see it, definitely do. And it, I like seeing competitive basketball. Obviously, I want the the Bucks to win the finals. Clearly, clearly. Um, I want to jump to the Western Conference really quick though, because you got the Suns and the Warriors and the Grizzlies all pretty much you know, running away with the top three seeds. And then you got the, the Jazz, Mavericks, and Nuggets kind of bunched in. And then you got the Timberwolves, Clippers. And as of right now, the Lakers sitting at ninth. Uh, where do, do you – is it going to be likely Suns again? Or are the Warriors – you think the Warriors are, I guess, back with um, now that they're healthy and if they can stay healthy? 
I said it last year that everybody is, you know, even though they they lost the in the in the playing tournament, but I said last year that the Warriors are going to be healthy, they're going to be back. You know, Suns are a really really good team, and it, it really should make people respect the Bucks more because they don't. I don't think people gave the Suns enough credit for how no. good they actually were last year. Well coached too. Well coached. Monty Williams went had his first job as a Hornets coach. Didn't pan out. Was not that good. He went. He learned. Re- rebuilt himself. Came back. Great head coach now. Um, Let's be real. The Hornets was kind of a, a bad spot to be a first time coach, anyways, because yeah. nobody's winning there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the CP3 was there at the time, yeah. and they kind of clashed. And he was younger at that point. Um, they both were. So it, it's it, it's good to see it kind of come for full circle. But people need to give the Bucks a little bit more credit, and the Suns more credit because Suns are a great team, and, and the Bucks went and they beat them, you know, to to win a championship. I mean that that's enough said there. But I said the Warriors, when healthy, they would probably be there in the end. They are going to have their hands full with the Suns, no doubt. But Warriors have been there, done that before, so yeah. they they and to a certain extent the Suns have too. You know, they made the finals run last year. But the Warriors have been there more times than they have, and they've been a little bit more battle-tested than the Suns have. So I would not be surprised to see the Warriors there in the end. It, when they're healthy, it, it's just wow. You know, when they're healthy, it's it's bad for the rest of the league. Yeah, and yeah, it definitely is. And Curry, 50 spot in the All-Star game. Like, he was just throwing shots up, and they were falling. I think the rim was just hugely in the size of the ocean. I think he, he, was gets, he gets, Pardon? I think he was trying to shoot himself back into rhythm because he was in a yeah. bit of a slump. So he was trying to and make a lot of money for charity, which he did. I think he made over a yeah. hundred seven grand for charity from the threes that he made and the points that he had. So that, hey, if you're gonna chuck it, chuck it for a good reason, yeah. and you did. And if he comes out of the All Star break still having that stroke, then uh, Warriors are going to be definitely probably catch the Suns if not. Uh, uh, run away with it, especially with Chris Paul being out for, I think I saw six to eight weeks. Um, what are your thoughts on the Lakers? You got LeBron, the GM has kind of messed that team up a little bit. The LeBron, the players getting pouty because of what LeBron, the GM has done. And then you got Davis hurt again. Westbrook doesn't seem to want to reinvest himself as a player. He still thinks he can be that explosive to the hoop guy, which he isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's never really worked on other parts of his game. And now the Lakers are sitting in the ninth spot when everyone, when they traded for Westbrook, they get Camelo. Oh, this Laker team's going to be a tough team to, to, to beat this year. They're going to run away with the West. I saw a few people mention, what is wrong with the Lakers? Is it, is it the, the coach? Is it the, you know, the age of the team? Like, what is it? It's it's not Frank Vogel. I it, think it, it was, but I just know I've I've talked to some friends that are pointing the finger at him, and I just want to get your thoughts on that. It, it's so <laughs> easy to point your finger at the coach. It's not Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is not both the you know the grocery buyer and the chef who has to cook the meal. That's LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> That's LeBron. You know, and he's also the ingredient to the meal. So it's it, you know it, it's not. For me, it's not Frank Vogel. You know, he he can only coach the players that he's he's given. So we know who has enormous pull 
as far as player personnel goes, and that's LeBron. He's LeBron James. He's the one that advocated Rob Polinka, the GM for the Lakers, to go after Russell Westbrook and to bring in Trevor Ariza and to bring in Carmelo Anthony. You're bringing in all these guys, as Charles Barkley said it on, on, on All-Star Sunday, you bring in all these old-ass guys, and it would have been better like 10 years ago, but yeah. now you bring him in and you're surprised that you're struggling. You know, it's just the roster makeup just does not work. You know, you've got a lot of guys who can still give you a little bit, but like you mentioned, Russell Westbrook, does not want to reinvent. He's going through what Carmelo Anthony went through when Carmelo Anthony was out of the league. He did not want to accept the fact that he was no longer a superstar, no longer a starter, still a good player, but you would have to be in a different role if you were still going to be in the NBA, which he eventually he accepted after a few years. Russell Westbrook, I know, former MVP, averaged a triple-double for multiple seasons. I got all that, but where are you now? You know, you're not shooting the three particularly well. You can still rebound. You know, you can still pass the basketball, but your role is different on this team. Any time you're on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, your role is going to be different. You're not the man. You're not in OKC anymore. You're not in D.C. anymore. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, you have to change. So when you have a guy who's unwilling to change, you have a roster full of guys who are past their upper tier production levels. Let's just put it to you that way. You're going to struggle, and you're seeing that. You're tangibly seeing that LeBron is having statistically one of his greatest seasons, but it means nothing when all the other guys are having some of their statistically worst seasons. And then Davis can't stay healthy. And Davis cannot stay, which, by the way. Second time he's been on the injured list, right? Yeah, I think second or third time he's been on the injured list. And can we stop with the comparisons between him and Giannis? They are not the same. There are levels to this. What's the, what is the greatest ability a player can bring to the table? availability who's who has availability and who doesn't Giannis has availability Anthony Davis does not yeah let's stop with the comparisons there are too many levels to this they're not on the same level Giannis is in a different stratosphere yeah I did like that and I doubt he knew that Shaq and uh I forget the other studio guy both mentioned that Davis is more talented Giannis ended up just destroying everything in the middle for the Lakers. I think he had most of his um, – was that the 50-point game? But anyway, I think he had most of his points in the paint that game and just completely destroyed the Lakers' uh, front-line guys. So that was kind of that was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 44 that game. It just, yeah. just crushed them in the middle. Like, okay, all right, you're more talented? Watch this. Yeah. You know, like, he – does not forget. Let's no. just put it to you that way. It does not forget. Yeah. And last question before we do wrap it up, because we're going on almost an hour now. Um, biggest challenge to the Bucks uh, winning the Eastern Conference this year? Wow. Uh, partly themselves uh, because of health, uh, because of, of, of pieces. Um, you know, if Brooke Lopez doesn't come back and isn't able to at least give them that win protection, um, it's, it's, you know, if sure, if Serge Ibaka stays healthy and that, that could help, but it, that could be an issue. So partly themselves. And I mean, you really have to look at Brooklyn as a viable threat. Um, you know, I know everybody likes to jump on them, poop on them because of all the drama and all that, but they are a viable threat. And the Sixers are a viable threat as well. I'm not so much worried about the Bulls. I'm not so much worried about the Cavaliers, even though the Bucks have, <laughs> I know they beat the Bulls, but they struggled against the Cavs. Um, I, I think come playoff time they can get that done, but those are two viable threats at the Easter Conference that we have to we have to respect them as such. Yeah, definitely. 
So definitely would like to get you on maybe closer towards uh, NFL draft time and then towards playoff time, too, to get your thoughts there. I do appreciate you spending part of your Tuesday evening with me talking uh, hodgepodge of things. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the Badgers, uh, Johnny Davis, and then, you know, NBA and the, the Bucks in particular. So one last shout out to, you know, where people can find your stuff and uh, call, it a, call it a day. Hey, tallstationmedia.com, facebook.com backslash T on sports show. And then, of course, that little scrolly thing down there, as well as the game plate right there at the 2 0 double on Twitter. Follow me there for more common sense when it comes to sports. That's what me and Evan bring to the table. It's always good chopping it up with you, my man. It definitely is. Thank you again for coming out. Thank you for those that were watching uh, the, the show and will be listening. A podcast will be posted probably. 